Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. We're going to be in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6. And um, if you're just joining with us, uh, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we came to this uh, part here about our spiritual armor that we're supposed to be wearing in God's strength. We're supposed to use His strength, His armor. And uh, we came to this idea here about this uh, shield of faith, and I asked uh, several of you about uh, what fiery darts are coming at your way that... Uh, uh, you should be using your shield of faith in order to quench those fiery darts. Many of you gave uh, several uh, different uh, things. I collected all those, put them together. And uh, last week we looked at uh, quenching the fiery darts of worry and anxiety. And uh, this week we're going to look at uh, quenching the fiery darts of fear. And uh, this is what I want you to take away with you uh, today. If I use my shield, I don't have to fear. If I use my shield, I don't have to fear. So let's look at our text here, Ephesians 6, 16. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Fear is a circumstance in life. So in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So if we're going to extinguish fear, number one, we need to trust and obey. Now, I'm not going to uh, belabor this point. Um, if you want to find out what more, what we talked about, what it means to trust God, what it means to obey God, I, I'll reference you back to the uh, last two uh, messages we had here about this. But Paul makes it very clear here that uh, to remind us that we actually have to put the shield into practice. We actually have to take it up. It's something that we have to do. And so the believer, you and I, if you are, know Christ as your Savior, we are able to quench the fiery darts through faith. Uh, remember, faith is not some mystical, magical word. It's not, you know, some, some nice cliche saying that we, that we say. Uh, faith is actually uh, practical. Faith is believing God's word. And primarily, it's applying who God is and what he says to the particular problem or temptation that the enemy has uh, shot at us and putting his word, God's word, into actual living practice, day-to-day -day, uh, life. So we must first trust and obey. So let's look at the second thing here. So if we're going to extinguish fear, secondly, we must understand what fears are natural and what fears are sinful. I believe fear is uh, something that we all struggle with. I, myself included, struggle with fear. It's something that is a real life problem in my life. And uh, throughout all of God's words, uh, we find the word fear is, is used in different ways. Uh, there are times when God commands us not to fear, but there are almost as many times when God commands us to fear. For example, 1 Peter 3, 2 uh, Peter tells the wives that their behavior ought to be marked by chastity and fear. But then in verse 6 of the same chapter, he says to do what is right without having any fear. Fear, but don't fear. Uh, here's another one, Hebrews 13, 6. We're told, so we can confidently say, 
The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Because God is with us, we don't need to fear. But in 1 Peter 1.17, God commands us, conduct yourselves in fear during the times of your stay upon the earth. So be afraid, don't be afraid. Which is it? Obviously, I, I believe if God commands us to not fear and God uh, also commands us to fear, uh, there must be different types of fear in life. Um, there's a fear that God says is sinful and there is a fear that God says we need to have. Uh, one we must avoid and the other one we must be seeking out in our lives. Our goal as Christians, as believers, is not to become fearless. You know, you ever see those people that wear the shirts, no fear, okay? That should not be your motto in life, okay? God never says you should not be fearless because there are times in our Christian lives that we should fear, but there are times where God says, don't fear. So when we talk about overcoming fear and quenching these fiery darts of fear that are coming at us, we're not talk of, talking about eliminating all fear. It's not good to be completely fearless. God gave us the emotion of fear for a specific reason. There are times when we should fear and there are things that we should fear. So obviously if God commands us his people not to fear, yet he also commands them to fear. Fear then is not intrinsically evil. So God doesn't command us not to commit adultery and also to commit adultery or to murder and also not to murder. Murder and adultery are always wrong. Fear isn't always wrong. So if we're going to quench these fiery darts of fear that are coming at us, we need to determine, is my fear a natural fear or is it a sinful fear? So let's look at some examples of this from God's word. Um, Proverbs 22, 3, the Bible says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So the term fear here sometimes used in scriptures to describe just what the prudent man is doing in this proverb. What is he doing? He is seeing the danger that is there, anticipating the danger and taking steps to protect himself from that danger. So it'd be kind of like getting up on a very, very steep roof and you're like, I'm afraid of heights. You should be afraid of heights. You might fall to your death. <laughs> That's okay, you can have that fear, okay? Um, Isaiah 7.25 used fear in this sense. As for all the hills once cultivated by the hoe, you will no longer go there for fear of the briars and thorns. Uh, was Isaiah saying that you'll be terrified by briars and thorns? That the briars and thorns are gonna control your life? No, he was just saying you don't want to go there because you know that if you go there, it will hurt. There's briars and thorns there. It's like walking into a forest knowing that there's thorn bushes there and you're like, well, I'm not going to go in there. That's what he's saying. That's natural fear. Interesting passage we find in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 33. Jesus actually experienced fear. He experienced a natural fear. Listen to what this says in Mark 14, 32 through 33. 
They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. The word distress literally means to be amazed, to be alarmed, to be astounded, to be greatly disturbed. Another way that it is defined is to be thrown into terror or amazement, to alarm thoroughly, to be struck with amazement, to be struck with terror. Do we see what is happening here? Christ looked into the future and felt a shuddering horror of what was going to come. Jesus was sinless in all of this. So this fear was not a sinful fear. It was just a natural human reaction when considering a dangerous, difficult situation. He was a real man. He went through the same exact things that we go through. We're told to fear God. God has created us to be worshipers. A word that we find in scripture is that the word fear is usually translated as awe or respect. So we should experience awe before him. We should fear him. Awe is a combination of dread and veneration and wonder. God has ordained certain events, certain authorities, certain persons that deserve our respect. The greater the event, the authority or person, the more respect that that should invoke in our lives. God has given us authorities, and it is natural and right for us to respect and revere these authorities. Something is wrong if we don't. Why don't you speed all the time? go 100 miles an hour in a school zone? Why don't you do it? Because you fear of what's going to happen. You have a respect of the law. Children are commanded to fear their parents. Employers are told to fear their masters. Citizens are told to fear their governments. We are all commanded to fear God. So this natural fear keeps us safe and prevents chaos from happening in the world. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans 13, 3 through 4. He says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. So God sets up authorities in our life, governments and, and, and these authorities, and we're supposed to have a fear because they're preventing chaos from happening in the world. God established government to produce fear in those who do wrong. So there's a natural fear, and that's healthy, that's good. But there's also a sinful fear. At various times and in various ways throughout Scripture, God uses a command of saying, do not fear. And he says it in many different ways. Here are just a few of the ways that he says it. I'll give you the verses, I'm not going to read them. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25. Matthew 10, 28. 
Ephesians 6.10, Philippians 4.6, 2 Timothy 1.7, and 1 Peter 3.14. All these ways God is telling us don't fear, but he's saying it in a different way. So if we are to use this shield of faith, it's not having an absence of natural fear, because God never tells us to be this fearless individual, right? We should be using our shield to quench the fiery darts of sinful fear. So when exactly is fear sinful? I mean, when does it, when does it cross the line and it becomes sinful? What is sinful fear? Well, here's just a few points of how you can recognize when fear is sinful. Number one, fear is sinful when it causes you to disobey or to keep you from obeying God's commands. Fear is sinful when it causes you to disobey or to keep you from obeying God's commands. When fear starts causing you to argue with God, to be hesitant about obeying his commands, when it causes you to make excuses about doing what God wants you to do, it is sin. James chapter 4, 7, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Secondly, fear is sinful when it causes you to think, un think or act selfishly. Fear is sinful when it causes you to think or act selfishly. Listen to what 1 John 4, 8 says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. John is telling us that when love comes in, it kicks out fear. Sinful fear and biblical love are totally opposite of each other. So selfishness causes us to put our interest above the interest of others. Selfishness produces fear. When you are dominated by fear that we, we sometimes become so blind to the needs and the concerns of others because all that we can do is just think about ourselves. And so when that happens, you can be sure that your fear is sinful. Thirdly, fear is sinful when it springs from thinking unbiblically. Listen to what Philippians 4.8 says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So if your fears are causing you to dwell on things other than the qualities that Paul just described there, lovely, good report, if your fear is causing you to dwell on other things other than that, you can bet for sure that your fear is sinful. If it causes you to dwell on things that are not true, it's sinful. If it causes you uh, to dwell on things that is not pure, it is sinful. Many people dwell in the land of what ifs. What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? What if this would happen? What if that would happen? What if this? What if this? What if this? That's fear. That's sinful. That's thinking about other things than what God has already commanded you to be thinking about. 
The fear comes from dwelling on things that, number one, they may have no control over whatsoever, and two, most likely aren't even true. Do you ever, ever have a meeting with somebody, you're talking with them, and then you go home and you start thinking, boy, I wonder what they thought about me. Did I say the right things? Did I do that? That's fear. Sometimes people that continue to allow this type of thinking in their life and it continues to go on and on and they never correct it biblically, um, they start living in a fantasy world, things that aren't even true. They're made up. Um, So I, I believe the next time that you're struggling with fear, you should ask yourself, is this thought true? Don't listen to your heart what it's saying to you because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You should talk to yourself. Remember, that's what David did, right? Talk to yourself. Is this thought true? Don't listen. Don't listen. Talk to yourself. Bring your thoughts under control of what the Word of God actually does say. Fourthly, fear is sinful when it flows out of unbelief. When you become afraid, you need to examine what is at the root of your fear. Sinful fear is produced by a lack of trust in God. Many times when we become frightened, if we would just look at the very root cause of that fear, why am I so afraid? What is making me afraid? Um, We would see that it's because we just don't believe God's word. We're not trusting in God. We're not trusting in the promises of God. We're not trusting in the character of God. Daniel 11.32 says this, The people who know their God will display strength. In John Bunyan's book, if you've never read it, The Pilgrim's Progress, wonderful book. The guy wrote this book while he was in prison. He was uh, thrown in jail prison because he was preaching the gospel. And while he was there, he wrote this book called The Pilgrim's Progress. This is like in the 1500s he wrote this book. And in the, in the story, there's a, there's a man, his name is Christian. And you follow Christian all the way from the time when the, uh, the, the burden falls off of his back at the cross. And, and now he's moving and growing in sanctification in his Christian life. And Christian finally finds him himself in the slow of despair, despond. It's a, it's a swamp, and he's stuck, and he can't get out, and he's in despair, and it, his life just seems like it's just caving in. And we find out the way that Christian gets out of that swamp is by believing the promises of God. Is that that same true, true principle for us? The way out of fear is through the promises of God. But they're only helpful if you believe in them. That's why I always say, do you believe God's word? Do you believe it? Not just like, yeah, yeah, I believe it. I mean, do you actually really believe it? I mean, is it a reality in your life? Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to those who have been called according to his purpose. Ask yourself, are you fearful right now because you don't believe that God is going to work all this out for your good? If God promises that he's going to work it out for all your good, what do you have to be afraid of? That's the promise, right? All things will work together for good. Do we believe that? If we don't believe that, it's not gonna help us. We're just gonna continue in our swamp. 
we just, we're going to be in despair. There's, there's, no, there's no help for us then, right? Well, God's word does give us help. I really do believe that. Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Spirit who has been given to us. So ask yourself, are you afraid right now because you do not really believe that your trials and suffering have a purpose? God says that tribulations, these trials produce spiritual good in our life. They're helpful for us. God is going to use them in our life. So if that's the promise, why are we so afraid? Because we do not believe his word. It's unbelief. We just won't believe it. If it's unbelief, it's sin. So we need to understand what fears are natural, what fears are sinful. God's word clearly shows us what things are fearful and sinful and what things are a natural fear and those are healthy and those are good and we should have those. So let's look at the third thing here. Identify the cause of your fear. So here we go. We, we've, I, we've seen, okay, I have sinful fear, but what is the cause of this fear? Why am I so afraid? What is causing me to be afraid? So if our fear is sinful and it's not a natural fear, what causes us to have sinful fear? Well, in my understanding of this, of, of, of reading and, and, and talking to people that, that have fears, um, there's, there's a lot of things that, that cause people to fear. But I, I can really boil them down to two biggies. Like these are the, the big ones that really cause us the reason why we have sinful fear in our life, okay? Um, now there's, there's a whole lot of them, okay? We, we don't have time to explore all these, but I have found that talking to people that are afraid, either one or both of these are usually present in their life because they're struggling with fear, okay? So here they are. Number one, unconfessed sin. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no man is pursuing. Unconfessed sin in your life will bring fear. I cannot tell you how much that a guilty conscience can cause great emotional distress and even bizarre behavior. The fear of the consequences, the guilt can so alter one's way of thinking and continue, by, by them continuing in living in that type of behavior, those patterns can over time make that person, they develop a fantasy world that in some ways is quite removed from reality. Do you ever meet people that everything is just the government's after me? Huh? What's going on? There's something going on in their life. Now, not to say that the, the government's wicked, but is everybody that's driving up and down your street taking photos of you and, and posting them online and, and download? I mean, what's going on here, right? Uh, there's no doubt about it. People are, people are believing this. Right? We, we, don't, we don't sit there and think, well, that's really not something that, that you're thinking is happening because they do believe it's happening and it's causing fear in their life. 
But that's why it's so important that you do not live a life of unconfessed sin. Um, Mankind has a huge problem. The Bible calls it sin. Many times we try to fix the problem ourselves, but in doing so, we just keep making it worse and worse and worse, right? Um, We do this by by trying to cover up our sin. Uh, we, We don't confess it. We try to cover it up. We hide from God, we pass the blame, we tell lies, we ignore the sin. Proverbs 28, 13, listen to what it says. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. If you read about the time of David when he was living in that unconfessed sin, what was going on in his life? I mean, here he is, I mean, just doing some bizarre things, right? Look at that, we go, man, that guy's crazy unconfessed sin. So it's so important to bring our sin into the light and and allow it to be exposed. Because if we live in unconfessed sin, it can bring a lot of fear in our life. Secondly, the fear of man. Now this is a big one. Uh, This is probably, this is the one that that I struggle with the most. This is the one that that causes me to fear the most, the fear of man. The the fear of man is a moral evil. It's not a mistake or a weakness or character fault. It is sin against God. When you fear man, you are sinning against God. The main issue is not how the fear of man makes you feel or the problems it brings into your life. The main issue is that it is sin against God. The fear of man is in direct disobedience to God. Listen to Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. When we fear man, we are troubled. We are either worried about uh, what man will do to us or what man will think about us. So to have a fear of man can cause us to be anxious about what people might do to us, say about us, or think about us. And so when we fear man, we become very selfish people. When you become jealous of what someone else has, who is your greatest concern in life? Them? No, it's you. It's all about you. When you constantly do things to gain the approval of others, to get them to like you, about whom are you most concerned? Yourself. When you do good things to seem spiritual, who are you most concerned about? It's yourself. So the fear of man springs from selfishness. Listen to what Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. The fear of man is a root sin that produces all sorts of other sins. I, I believe that the fear of man really is like a compound sin, right? Like, like when, when you, we fear man, it leads to other sins in our life. The Bible's very clear about some of these things. Scripture tells us that it produces lies, jealousy, threats, anger, hate, worry, attempts at murder, genocide, betrayal, distrust, compromise, and even hypocrisy. So we fear man 
because we refuse to put our trust in God. Hebrews 13, 6, listen to what it says. So we say with confidence, confide, with faith. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man will do to me. The writer of Hebrews here is making a, a declaration statement of his dependence and trust on God. He's saying, I trust God. I don't fear what man is going to do to me. He says, I don't fear man because I know God. But by our fear, what we do, we are also making a statement about God. We are saying, in reality, the other way, we're saying the Lord is my helper, but I don't care. I'm still afraid because man can do all sorts of terrible things to me. So when we are overwhelmed with the fear of man in our lives, we say these types of things about God. What do we say? Here's a few things that we say when we are overwhelmed by the fear of man. Here's some things that we say. We say God's promises aren't true. We say God doesn't love me. We say God isn't powerful enough to do anything about this situation. Can I remind you of the gospel? You're dead in your sins. God sent his son to die for you. He saved you. He's promised you heaven. He's always taking care of you. But now when you are in a difficult circumstance, what do we do? We throw all of that out the window and we say, nope, this time God's not going to take care of me. We turn our back on God. God is perfect. He's never done anything wrong to us. And we refuse to trust him on the basis of absolutely nothing but our own fears and misunderstandings. So these are the two big ones. Either unconfessed sin or fear of man. So how do we, how do we actually conquer fear? How do we do that? Well, if we're, if we're going to deal with just these two big ones about unconfessed sin and the fear of man, how do we deal with this problem of fear? How do we actually use our shield? Remember, it's actually taking God's word, what it says, putting it into practice, saying, okay, here's what the word says. I'm actually going to obey it and do it, okay? How do we do that? So here's the fourth thing. Love casts out fear. 1 John 4, 17 through 18, by this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence with faith, right, in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18 is key. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Here in this text, John is talking about this coming judgment that's going to happen. And primarily, he's talking about this, this, having this fear of the coming, coming judgment can be erased of all such fears by how? By the assured love from God and for God. So how do we apply this to our fears, right? Like, how are we actually supposed to take this love that he says we're supposed to have, how do we actually apply that to our fears? Think about how John is contrasting here love and fear together. Why not, why didn't he say fear and peace or fear and serenity? Why, why does he say fear and love? 
Well, because love looks for opportunities to give. It asks, what can I do for another? Fear keeps a weary eye on the possible consequences and asks, oh no, what is he going to do to me? Love thinks no evil. Fear thinks of nothing else but evil. Love is self-giving. Fear is self-protecting. Sad to say, but there, and I, I totally get it. I, I understand, you know, there's, there's people that have had traumatic experiences in life. And, and there's fear there, real fear. Um, people have been sexually molested by parents or a neighbor or church member. It happens. It really does. And, and these people live in fear. So are we supposed to say, well, sorry, there's no hope for you. You're just a, this is just what happened in life and there's no hope, sorry. No, God's word gives us biblical hope for real life problems. So the enemy of fear is love. The way to extinguish fear in your life and put fear off is to put on love. So our two big problems in life, right, what are they? Unconfessed sin and the fear of man. So how does love answer those problems? Well, number one, loving God will help you repent and confess your sin, right? I mean, that's what 1 John's all about, right? Our relationship with Christ. And it says if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, it says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So if you have a genuine love for God and you're walking with God, uh, your desire should be that I'm going to confess my sin. 1 John 5, 19, what enables a Christian to love God is this. He says, we love because he first loved us. It's this loving fellowship that, that this love is perfected. It's made mature is what uh, he says here. Um, he says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love, the mature love, cast out fear. So if you're growing in your love for God, you're not going to be living in unconfessed sin because you're walking with him. You're growing with him. There's a natural, healthy fear of God in your life. And so the more that we walk with him, the less we fear and the more confidence we have in coming before him, uh, we can see that, that fear start to diminish in our life. And so I would say also the opposite is true. The less that we love him, the more fear that we will have and not confess our sins. Secondly, here's the other big problem about the, the fear of man. How do we deal with that? Well, scripture here tells us it's through love. Love casts out fear. So secondly, loving others will help you deal with the fear of man. Look at what the text says, verse 18. Uh, this is an actual demonstration. Look what he says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So this this demonstration of this biblical love, it's, it's actually, I'm growing in the love of God so much that now I want to love others, not serving myself, not worrying about what others think about me, but actually serving others. And so this is engaging in loving ministry to others. Think of the ways that, that you can give yourself to others. I, I think that you should write, write a list of all the ways that you can serve others, practically serve them. 
thinking about them, not about yourself. Write it down. Write all those things down. And then actually start to put those things into practice. Ways that you can practically help other people serving them. And so I think by doing these loving deeds for others, you will come to find out that that fear will vanish uh, when you learn to live the life of loving concern for others uh, than yourself. There's so much here about fear, and, and we don't have all the time uh, to dwell in, but I wanted to talk about these two big ones, unconfessed sin or um, the idea that we are uh, the fear of man. And, and I think that that's really what brings about a lot of our fears in life. Um, in, your, in your bulletin there, I, I gave you a little, little thing here on overcoming fear. So if you, wanna, if you wanna learn some more about this, okay, I have here uh, tons of Bible verses here. Uh, the results of fear, causes of fear, uh, the solutions to fear, things that we do fear in life, and uh, some practical things of, of how you can do that. And then I also have some resources for further uh, study there. Uh, up here I have some handouts as well. Um, there's a thing here on solutions to fear, uh, some of the things that we, types of fear, fear of others, fear of events, fear of bad news, all fears, natural disaster, fear of what others think, fear of oppression, fear of weakness, and actually biblical words that will help you and actually apply these things so you can overcome them. The other thing that I have here is uh, people that uh, may have had uh, what we would refer to as a panic attack, the, the deliberating fear, the, the, the fear that, that um, just really causes us to shut down, how to deal with that, all, all right here. So um, I encourage you to take these things and if you have questions, you, you, wanna, you wanna seek out somebody, go to any one of the elders. Um, go to another mature believer in Christ. We are not meant to live life by ourselves. okay? God wants us to come together to strengthen one another and it's all done through faith. So let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.